we are, um, we are anchored. How else can we feel? We feel fine. Doesn't matter what storms come our way, we're anchored, right? Doesn't matter what fears we encounter, we're anchored. Doesn't matter what winds and torrents, problems, situations, anxieties, stresses, it doesn't matter because we are anchored. What is our only hope in life and in death? It's that we are anchored to the one that has won our salvation and brought us through the veil into the very holy of holies. When Christ was crucified, he said, it is finished. All the temple workers were scared out of their skin because the veil that separated the presence of God from man was torn in two, indicating to us that we have now a relationship of intimacy, a relationship of love, a relationship of trust and reliance and dependence upon a God who won us, captured us. Amen? In the dark of night, Jesus came down and rescued us. What a, what a, what a mission that God came and that he won our salvation and that he bore our sin and our shame upon the cross so that we could be free in the presence of God. Amen? You know, my, uh, my, my father bought a 34-foot cabin cruiser, uh, which is a ship, basically, a boat. And he, we had it for about two years. And it slept eight people. It was fantastic. You know, you got the, the deck where you hang out in the back, and then you can go down into the, had a kitchen, had a bathroom. In the back, you could sleep about four kids if you really want. You could sleep eight. You just throw them back there. And then the uh, kitchen table went down into a bed. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. It was old, and it was scary. And I think that's why we only had it for two years. But we used to go out um, by the Throgs Neck Bridge there by the Bronx, and we used to jump off the high deck into the water and have a great time. And one of these times... um, I don't know why, but my father was in a panic, and we had to throw out the anchor. And my father, Bruce, my brother, Bruce, Bruce, throw out the anchor, throw out the anchor. And we're like, whoa, let's get the anchor. So he grabs the anchor, and we heave it into the, uh, into the, the harbor there, and down it floats, down and down and down. And the rope stayed on the boat. It was not attached to the anchor. (laughs) And let me tell you something about anchors. They're really expensive, (laughs) okay? And we felt the full force of that knowledge as my father came up on the deck and Bruce, my brother, he always turned white as a sheet when he got in trouble. Um, But he was white as a sheet. He goes, Dad, the rope wasn't connected. And then... uh, my father became like the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he lost that anchor. That was bad. But it's, it speaks of our condition and our situation. We put trust in things that are fading and fleeting. And right in the panic of life, right in the storm, right in the wind, 
we, we turn to something and we throw it into the water of life and we expect it to meet our needs, to fulfill us, to give us satisfaction. It's fleeting. It's fading. And all these things that we put our, our hearts into, we're in everything. It never, ever meets our expectations. Your wife and your husband have never, ever met your full expectation. Your kids never, ever meet your full expectation. Your car never, ever meets your full expectation. Nothing in life meets and fulfills your deepest desires and quenches your heart and brings you satisfaction. But Jesus Christ and him alone. We're going to enter into a year of finding this out. That Jesus Christ is the answer for all of our conditions, all of our needs, all of our diseases, all of our fears, all of our anxieties. He tethered himself to us when he went and won the victory in the Holy of Holies, behind the curtain in heaven, sealed the deal of our salvation, and said, now, Holy Spirit, go, minister who I am, what I've done. Manifest me in the work of God. And the Holy Spirit has come, ministers to us the very life and blood, so to speak, of Jesus Christ and what he means to us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to move. Amen? You're not going to find out about Jesus any other way. You can read the Bible back and forth in Chinese, French, Pig Latin, however you want to read it. It will never, ever, ever touch you unless you allow the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, this is the book of life for me. Speak to me now. Speak to me your, your will and, and your way. So we're going to have a great year, guys. Nudge the person next to you and say it's going to be a great year. Nudge the person next to you and say, tie the rope to the anchor. Tie the rope to the anchor. Yes. Amen. You know, hope is, a, hope is an interesting thing. Because normally it's, it's kind of um, it's kind of in the negative. Man, I hope it won't rain tomorrow. I hope I get $25,000 in taxes back this year. Um, I hope. And then what we do is we throw a so on it, right? I hope so. I hope so. See, here's the thing. Biblical hope is not a feeling, and it's not a wish. It's a fact. For us as believers in Jesus Christ, there is no doubt what we hope for. There is none. It's settled by the Word of God. It's settled in the character and nature of God. And if you doubt the nature and the character of God, you have no faith. Paul prayed this prayer, May the God of hope fill you with all peace and love. And in giving you the peace and love, may he fill you by the Holy Spirit with this hope. Hope is an awesome thing in this day and age. When we see our culture and our society filled with fear, filled with wrath, everybody tearing each other apart, everybody going at each other's throats. The Bible says that in the last days, men's heart will fail them because of fear. 
because there's nothing to tether themselves to. Biblical hope has as its foundation faith in God and the word that he speaks. Faith is not a feeling, it's a fact. Hope is not a feeling, it's a fact. Amen? And it's rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we know that what he says is true. When he said it is finished, the work of salvation for your life is completed and it is done. There's nothing that you can do to work your salvation. It was completed over 2,000 years ago. And now we put our faith in the atoning, sacrificial work of Jesus Christ on the cross and say there is no way that I can make it on my own. I can't manage my life. I can't bridge the gap. I can't conquer my sin. I can't win the penalty of my sin. I don't have jurisdiction over life and death. I am not the steward of life and death, but you are. And I give you all praise. And I confess to you that I am a sinner and that I need you, Christ, as my Savior. Once you do that, he hears from heaven. And a whirlwind of really good, good things happens. Where all of a sudden, your spirit that was once dead because of trespasses and sins, dead, dead. Everybody say dead. dead. Okay? He didn't throw you a life buoy or a life jacket. He went down to the bottom of the ocean of your life and found you dead in your sin and your transgression. And he raised you to new life. He quickened you by his spirit. And now our spirit is alive. We know that whatever we face will not deter us from this one hope and this one fact that we belong to Christ. He is ours and we are his. Amen? Amen. We belong to him. We belong to him today. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for, for hope has as its meaning this, this fact of confidence or security, of being without care. The concept of doubt is not part of this word. Same thing in the New Testament. There is no doubt attached to this word hope. Our hope is not vested in our feelings. It's not vested in our feelings. It's not vested in our feelings. Listen, it's not vested in our circumstances. Our hope is not vested in what we think we need down the road to satisfy us, to fulfill us. It's nothing of that. Because what you face down the road might be anything that you expected. It might be the worst thing that has ever happened to you. And you cry out to God and say, why God? Why God? But like David, we say, but yet I will trust you. Like Job, we say, though you slay me, still will I trust you. Amen? Our trust is rooted in him. In every circumstance, in every situation, there is what is called this joy of hope resonating within us. Our circumstances really, really are bad. We can go through hell on earth, so to speak. But we have this ever-increasing flow in our heart of this hope, hope against hope, that God's word is going to be fulfilled because we trust his character. The Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This verse is the beginning of the faith chapter. Carries with it all of the confidence that comes from knowing for sure what God says. 
for the Christian believer in the end times in which we're living now, you have to have a sense of this joyful expectation and hope in God that what he says is going to be true and is true. Amen? Accepting of this gift of eternal life means our hope is no longer filled with doubt. He has said, he who believes on me has everlasting life. Isn't that something? Everlasting. Everlasting life. So we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And that gives us a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of hope. Everybody say, lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of hope. Amen. Lot, a lot, a lot. Some of you aren't saying it. Come on. Lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of hope. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles, you crazy people, to Romans chapter 14. And we will read verses 7 and 8. In the NLT, it says, For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. We don't belong to ourselves. The hope that God gives is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hebrews 6, 19 says, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. We live in a world where we put our hope in so many fleeting, fading things. Think of some of the God-awful things that we've put our hope in, we've craved for, we've desired, we clung to. Bad relationships, bad choices. Bad situations that we've, we've, we've been involved in because of this, this lure, this bait that Satan holds out there in which we don't think God is going to take care of us. God isn't going to find a mate for us. God isn't going to provide a job for us. God isn't going to fulfill all my needs. He doesn't know me. He doesn't understand me. You know, back in the day, 50 years ago, young people used to turn to their teachers. They listened to their parents. And they listen to other authorities on how to lead and guide them. Now we live in a day where everybody that, that's lost and broken and hurt is listening to everybody that's lost, broken, and hurt. It's like the blind leading the blind, you know? We have this authoritative word of God that speaks to us in our brokenness and in our lostness. The Bible says in 1 John 2.17, The world is fading away with along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what God pleases will live forever. What pleases God is when we put our faith and trust in the precious person of his son and in his work on the cross in which he died so that we might have life in this life and in the life to come. See, death is swallowed up in victory. Isn't it true? There is no sting or bite to the grave for the believer in Christ. The Bible says, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall be with him, and we shall behold him. This is a promise in God's word. Do you believe it today? My father has turned from, this is what he said to me two, two weeks ago. He got some oxygen. They were going to give him a hospital bed, and they were going to give him a catheter. And he says to me, Dan, in his lovely preacher voice, this might be the miracle we're looking for. <laughs> I feel like saying, Dad, you're 91. I don't know if it's a miracle or not. But now what he's saying is, 
What's taken so long? What's taken so long? Why am I still here? Why am I still living? I want to go and be with Jesus. Isn't that great? See, take a look out there. That's our reality, okay? But that's not our reality. Our reality is that we are spiritual beings that will live forever for all eternity. Our reality is that we are destined and purposed to be in the presence of the Lord forever. The Bible says that he's given us a Holy Spirit as a seal, as a deposit, as a guarantee, guaranteeing the glory and the splendor and the majesty of God forever. We worshiped him today, didn't we? Did you feel his presence? I made a lot of mistakes up there for the team. I blew it. Forgive me. And even in our faults and weaknesses, the presence of the Lord is here. Amen? We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to measure up to any standard. But we lay our lives before Christ and we ask him, Oh God, take, take my life. Fill me with your glory and your presence. For the only hope that I have in this life and in the life to come is Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen, glorified, seated at the right hand of God, and now our soon and coming King. Amen? Oh, man. What a day when Jesus comes, when we'll all be flying up together, right? Kicking each other down because we want to get there first. Get back. Amen? Ah, the twinkling of an eye. See, we don't grieve like the world grieves. We don't grieve without hope. We grieve with hope. Knowing that those that have, been, have died in Christ are with him. And those that remain shall soon be with him. As he brings all things to himself and reconciles all, all things to himself. This is the beauty and the hope that we have. Nothing can persuade me differently because I have the Holy Spirit of God communing with me, telling me that I am his child. Amen? Amen. You are his child today. And if Amaris is off somewhere where she needs help, I'm just telling you right now, girl, I'm coming to run, running after you, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to save you. God sees us in our situation, and he runs after us. He knocks down every obstacle to get to our heart. Think of it, friends, what he did to get you to a point where you confessed your sins and you said, I need you. All the nonsense, all the nonsense that you went through, relying on your own self, self-reliance, self-centeredness, selfishness that got you into all the mess. And then God said, I'm here. I've always been here. Turn to me now and give me your life. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful situation, the salvation that God, that, that we have. Our only hope in life and in death is Jesus Christ. Our hope is tied up, placed in, rooted and grounded in the one who can handle the responsibility of stewardship of life and death. We can't. We can't handle our life. We can't handle our death. Jesus came, was the life giver and the death destroyer for us. 2 Timothy 1.10 tells us that he is our rescuer and our Savior. And now he has made all this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death 
and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Friends, let me tell you something. This perishable body that is decomposing as I speak will take on the imperishable. This mortal body will take on immortality. and We will be with him, rule and reign with him and give him praise. Amen? Oh, what a beautiful salvation that we have. Listen to this, Colossians 1.7. Colossians 1.7 tells us that he is our creator. He existed before anything else and that he holds all creation together. The very thought of God is keeping all of this stuff together. The cosmos, the galaxies, the universe. He sustains our very life and our very existence. He's our creator. He's our rescuer. He's our savior. He's our anchor. We are not our own. Listen to John Calvin. This is a pretty good statement from him. He says, Oh, how much has that man profited who, having been taught that he is not his own, has taken away dominion and rule from his own reason that he may yield it to God? For as consulting our self-interest, this is the pestilence that most effectively leads to our destruction. (laughs) Isn't that something? So the sole haven of salvation is to be wise in nothing and to will nothing through ourselves, but to follow the leading of the Lord alone. The basic principle is this, that we are not to live to please ourselves. We are to live as if we belong to God. And that means a couple of things. Number one, it means, first of all, we're not to determine for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. We're not to determine what is right and what is wrong for ourselves. We give up that right to determine that, and we rely wholly on the Word of God. And it's freeing, isn't it? Have you ever, without Christ, decided what to do in a situation? What's right? What's wrong? What's going to best suit me? And how is this going to work out? And blah, 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 And everything gets out of whack. And How many of you have made bad decisions in your life? <sighs> yeah. Me too, okay? Me too. We've made bad decisions. As a believer in Jesus Christ, belonging to God, when we put our self-interest and self-centeredness and selfishness before the will and the way of God, we end up in a desperate situation. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And it's when you're always considering yourself when you're always looking to your, your selfish interests and your self-centeredness, here's a, here's a thing maybe that'll blow your mind. When we become Christ's, we are no longer given over to ourselves. We belong to him. Just like a servant, right? A servant serves and is at the, the bidding of his master. And here's the beauty of the thing. We were once servants of sin, But now God calls us his friend. Amen? We are friends of God. We serve him because we love him. And friends, let me tell you something. If every decision you make is based not on your self-centeredness, but on God-centeredness and God's will and God's way, every decision you make this afternoon starting right now, You do the right thing based on God's word, not the right thing based on your carnal nature or your fleshly nature, not based on your whim or your wishes, but on God's will and his way for your life. 
how happy we'd all be. Amen? How glorious it would be as we love each other in this selflessness. It's not that we think less of ourselves. It's not that we put ourselves down. But we consider others and we consider God's way more than our own. The Bible indicates to us is that selfishness is sin. Self-centeredness to the point where we leave out God in his ways is sin. That's why it's so freeing to be a, a believer in Christ and know that your life is to be given over for the will and the way of God. If somebody takes something from you, that's fine. I belong to God. That wasn't my own. How he we, how we brought up to us today that our money is really not our own. We're stewards of the money, and we give it back to God. Amen? It's so freeing. Somebody wants to take something from you, oh, God bless you. Take everything you want. Didn't Jesus say that? If you're walking down the street... And somebody, somebody tells you, hey, carry my luggage for me, will you, for a mile? Oh, sure, buddy. I don't know you. This is kind of weird, but sure. Doesn't the Bible say when you hit the mile, offer to take it too? Isn't that something? Freedom. Freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. When somebody asks you for your shirt, you take it off. Okay? I'm not going to take it off. Don't worry. You take it off. And you give it to them and you ask, what else can I give you? Because all the things that you have is not yours. Your very life is not yours. You belong to God. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. So, we don't live to please ourselves. Secondly, we also give up the operating principle that we usually use in day-to-day life. We stop putting ourselves first. Let's look over to Philippians chapter 2, will you? Beautiful portion of scripture. It speaks about the kenosis or the emptying of Christ. Leaving behind the splendor and wonder of who he was, his glory, to become like us so that he can win us. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at um, verse 1 and we'll continue to read on there, okay? Philippians chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose, and that is the mind and purpose of God. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Listen, here's a little test for you. What happens is, is when uh, your flesh 
is not first, your flesh will rise up and say, hello, hey, I'm over here, okay? What's going on here? Come on, I'm trying to be selfish here. Let's go, right? And Spurgeon said, if you want to deny yourself, follow Christ, take up your cross, And he said to do that, you have to do something that your flesh doesn't want you to do. Isn't that something? This is a spiritual discipline. So if somebody's kind of getting in on your groove, right? You're looking really good and somebody else is coming in. And you're like, whoa, step back, man. This is my groove, okay? What you do is you say, come on in, brother. There you go. You're in. What happens? More of his presence, more of his life, more of his will, more of his way. This is how the church operates, friends. We esteem others higher than ourselves. We prefer one another higher than ourselves. We lift up each other. Amen? The Bible says in Galatians that we carry our own burden, but we share each other's. We carry our burden, friends, by giving our burden to God. Giving the burden of selfishness, of self-centered, of always wanting to be Uh, lifted up and always wanting somebody to say good things about us. Listen, we are not men pleasers, are we? We are God pleasers. And when God looks down in your life and says, I am pleased. This is my beloved son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. Whoa, that's all we need, isn't it? That's all we need for him to bless us, encourage us, and strengthen us. So we don't live to please ourselves. We don't operate in this, uh, this identity of selfishness. It also means that we have no part of our lives that is immune from self-giving. I spoke about this before. Everything that we have is not ours, it is God's. Don't be offended when somebody wants to take something from you. Don't be offended when somebody maybe puts you down or hurts your feelings, right? You're not your own, you're bought with a price. Here's the thing. We've died to ourselves. We've died to sin, but we're alive to God. Now, if I bring a dead carcass up in here, and I put this dead carcass up front, dress him up in a tuxedo, and I put all the allurements of the world before him, he's dead. If I say that he's ugly, that he's a loser, you'll never amount to nothing in your life. Too late for that. But he's not offended. He's not hurt. He's not wounded. He doesn't think that something's been done against him. He's dead. Amen? Here's the principle. We are dead to ourselves, but we are alive to Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live for the glory and the praise of of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so freeing, guys. Let yourself go. Aren't you sick of yourselves to this extent? Amen. So we worry about our self-identity, don't we? We're told by the New Age movement to get down into your inner core. Find out who you really are and the wonder and blessing of who and what you are down deep into the inner core of your... Listen, I don't want to go down there. I'm scared. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful. It's incurable. We can't know it. 
That's why Jesus needed to change our heart. We give him our heart of sin. And he exchanges it with a heart that is geared towards his kingdom and his life and the wonder of who he is. Let's not be selfish. Let's wage a war on selfishness. Amen? Let's wage a war on self-centeredness. Let's be second. Let's take up the rear. Make sure everybody's being blessed. Everybody's being encouraged. Let's treat each other with honor and respect and dignity as we love on each other and as we encourage one another. We don't live to please ourselves. We don't operate in the principle on a daily basis of putting ourselves first. We're not self-immune to self-giving. Something wants, if somebody wants something from us, we give it. If God tells you to give, you give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved that he gave. Let's not be selfish. Let's understand our hope in this life and the life to come is that we're anchored in Christ. Christ wants to strip us of our carnal nature, of our fleshly nature, and on a daily basis transform us with his Christ-likeness, his very spirit that's conformed to the image of God. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you love God today? Raise both hands and and, uh, wave them at me. All right. Everybody put deodorant on today? Good, good, good. Amen. Uh, Anthony has, I went up to Anthony today and man, did he smell good. Axe. He's got Axe cologne on, man. If you want to smell something good, go up to Anthony. Smell him. He is good. Yes. I love going up to guys and they're smelling good. I give them hugs. I give them hugs. So, guys, I said that to say this. If I come up to you and really hang on to you in a big, big hug, I love smelling you. Okay? All right. Good. Romans 8.28. All things work together for good to those that are called by God, love God. For the good of your life. If you love God, then you realize that his character and nature is all about you, is all for you. He's hemmed you in from behind and before. New mercies every day. Grace and mercy meets you where you are to supply the power and provision of Christ for your life. You are being conformed to the image of God. And listen, God uses everything. Remember we were talking about those past choices that were so stupid and selfish? God uses those. He throws them into the bowl and the ingredients of his grace and love, and he mixes up a new brew for your life where you become everything that he desires for you. He uses your brokenness. Don't try to run from it. He uses your scars. Don't try to run from it. Comfort that you receive is now the comfort that you give to others. I'm a broken, 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 broken person. But you know what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's healed me. And I have scars to show that I am healed. Amen? In Jesus' name. So, friends, 
We belong to God. We are not our own, but we belong body and soul, both in this life and in death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, he's taking responsibility for your life. Don't take the reins and don't take control. He is the one that is to control you, that is to lead you, and that is to guide you. If every day we woke up saying, God, where should I go? What should I say? What should I do? Because my flesh is telling me to go this way. My self-centeredness is telling me to go that way. What would you have me do, oh God? What would you have me do? We belong to God. We are his. And he is ours. Amen? Does that make you feel good? So whatever you're facing today, face it knowing that God has taken responsibility for your life. And he'll see you through. He loves you. I want to encourage those of you that maybe have not entered into this hope that you turn from your selfishness and give your life to God through Jesus Christ. Tell Christ, Lord, I've tried it my own way. I've managed my life. I've lived a selfish, self-centered life, and it's ruined me. But you came down from heaven out of your great love and became ruined and broken for me so that now I could have the very life of Christ. And now, friends, I love this phrase. Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. Amen? Amen. Wow. Is there anything that can destroy you? Is there any accusation that can come against you? Is there anything that will bring you to your knees in death? No. Because he has won the victory and we belong to him. Let's bow for a word of prayer. God, we love you today. We thank you. We praise you for everything that you are. We give you our selfish hearts. We give you our self-centeredness. In exchange, O oh God, give us the life of Christ. Conform us to your image. The fruit of the Spirit be evident in our hearts and in our lives. May we not take offense as people speak about us or rob us or steal from us or say evil things against us. May we not take offense when people judge us, people accuse us, people say things about us. We're not our own. We belong to you. You have our back. You have our future. You're here now in the present to reveal to us who you are, and we thank you for it. So we give you praise today, O oh God. This great hope that we have in you, God, is not a wish, and it's not a desire. It is fact. Because you have said it in your word, he who believes on me has everlasting life. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and love. And may through the power of the Holy Spirit give you this hope. And in this hope, we rejoice every day in this confident hope of being secure in the work and person of Jesus Christ. So we rest in you today, O oh God, and we give you praise. And we say amen and amen and amen. May God bless you guys. What is our only hope in life and death? That we belong to God. We are his in body and soul, given to God and given to our Savior. We are not our own. We are his. Amen? amen. Go with that thought today. Relish in it this week. Amen?